Hey, thanks for checking out our show. If you like what you hear, we have tons of additional content at patreon.com slash the media lunch break. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the ticket. There you go. There's a bit that nobody our age even knows. Oh, I know. Which is terrible because it's a great bit. Anyway. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? All right. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? I feel like we're doing a Meisner exercise. I want to die. What? No. Uh, I'm, I'm good. What? Hmm? I'm good. I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm tired. I want to die. Like I am tired, too. I say that every time we start the show. We do. It is the thing. And you know what? Here's the thing. I think it's okay because I, I think our demographic is also people who are tired. And so if we were to get on one day and be like, how are you? And and we were like, oh, I'm wide awake right now. We All of our subscribers would leave. They're like, well... This is no longer for me. I feel like we would need to end the podcast because we would it would be our duty to create a self-help podcast. Right. Well, if I we think, figured it out. Yeah. I think if we ever come on and we're, we had figured it out and we were finally like actually awake and great and functioning normally, our character arc has come to an end. <laughs> you know, we finally fulfilled the prophecy. So it's time to finally sign off. Here's a little something for the patrons. Okay, go for it. If you're on Patreon, we have a tier where you can see a video version of the podcast. Yes. Check out this mug. Oh, is that a Lord of the Rings? Yeah, it is. Oh, that's a, that's a very, it's a glass. I'll, I'll describe it slightly for those who no, are not on the Patreon so they can be enticed enough to go on the Patreon. It's a glass mug. With like Lord of the Rings, Elven, I think it's Elven etchings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's almost like a, it's not quite a goblet, but it's. No, it's like a hot I mean? toddy mug. Yeah, but it's got, yeah, it's got some, it's got some design to it. It's, the mug itself is curved a little bit. It's yeah, nice. yeah, it looks cool, right? Yeah, it's very cool. I like that mug. Give it to me. <laughs> you want one? Actually, that one's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie, actually. All right, I'll see if I can oh. find one for you. All right. Chris, what's your favorite part of the Lord of the Rings movies? You son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, you son of a bitch. <laughs> For those of you who are, have joined us later on in the journey of the podcast, I have confessed that I have never seen the Lord of the Rings movie. All right. It is a gap in my nerddom. I'm fine with it. I've learned to function in society. Honestly, without though, it. I think you your like nerd cred more than makes up for it when you say that you have read the books. I've read I've read two of them. Fully. The fact that you've even yeah. read the first page of Fellowship is astonishing to me. Fellowship is also a very slow read. Well, I yeah, say. but not that you specifically, but like yeah. for me, like I can't even imagine trying to embark on that journey. I've read The Hobbit. Maybe three or four times. I've read The Hobbit maybe twice, Hold on. I think. Uh, sorry, there's something I'm required to do whenever I say the phrase, I've read The Hobbit three or four times. I, I just have to punch myself in the balls a couple times. Hold on a second. Just let me just... Oh, God. Yeah, he's doing it. Oh, man. He's giving himself a swirly. Oh, man. He's pulling his underwear up. Oh, it's going over the head. It's an atomic wedgie. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Thank you. Oh, he just took his own lunch money. <laughs> and I bought myself beer with it. And he oh. bought himself lunch. Wow. <laughs> um, oh, man. Anyway, you want to get this shit on the road? Dude, this is going to be the longest episode we've ever made. It is. It might not, though. I didn't get a chance to see them twice like I normally do. So I don't really have any notes. I'm, this is. Oh, I know. We're going to be free balling this today. Fantastic. Fantastic. 
everybody. Welcome to the Media Lunch Break, bringing you all of your comic geek and movie news all in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich using stolen lunch money. My name is Chris Rue. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Dunn. Say hello, Andrew. Hi. Hi. Hello. Right. I thought for sure you were going to eat that sandwich out of a glass Lord of the Rings mug. I'm now picturing a sandwich stuffed into a mug, and I don't like what I'm picturing. I feel like I saw something like that on Pornhub. It's just, I don't like, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like destroying a sandwich. It's a perfectly good sandwich. Someone worked hard on that sandwich. But it consolidates it, which in theory would make it easier to eat. Nah, I want to savor that sandwich. Nah. Wait, wait, wait. What kind of sandwich is it? Ice cream sandwich. Oh, yeah. No, just stuff it in there. And yeah, that's totally fine. Eat it with a spoon. Yeah. Be great. I was like, actual sandwich or like... What you said. <laughs> <laughs> or something completely or different. different. Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> Andrew, huh? we got to talk about this event. Would you care if I let us off? Please, kick this thing off. Chris, Barbenheimer is finally upon us. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> also for the patrons, we've got a not, Barbenheimer poster. I have not seen that one. I've seen a number of Barbenheimer posters. That one I have not seen. That's yeah. pretty good. And uh, I think it's time, Chris. I think it's mm-hmm. time, finally, to talk about both of these movies, starting with the one that's about a skinny idealist who finds out that the world isn't as great as everyone previously thought. It stars a non-American actor who famously played a Batman villain that transitioned from a highly respected medical professional into a raving lunatic. And that means we're talking about... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! Uh, Huh. Which one are we talking about, Chris? I don't know. <laughs> never put any of that together in my life. How the hell did I not piece that together? Huh. Wow. Which one are we talking about? Um, I don't know. What do you want to talk about first? The one I just said. Son of a bitch. Um, I gave you all these clues. All right. Do we? All right. Do we start up and go down, or do we start down and go up? That's I've been asking point. myself that question every day since college. Yeah, that's true. All right. Whatever you look at the vial of pills next to you. Um, <laughs> uh, let's start with. Ah, this is a tough. One. Which? All right. Let me ask you. What order did you see them in? I saw Oppenheimer first. Fuck! I saw Barbie first. God I know. Damn it! But we, we knew that. that. You don't remember talking about that because I said it'll be interesting to to talk about which one is better. I don't remember conversations we have immediately after that we have them because <laughs> of the pills. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Uh, let's. You know what? Let's talk about Barbie first. You want to talk about Barbie first? Yeah. Chris. A sentient toy that lives in a seemingly perfect world starts to wonder if there's more to life than living through the same daily routine. So they go in search of a higher power in the real world and discover that they're being played with by someone who exists under the oppression of a character portrayed by Will Ferrell. But enough about the Lego movie. Let's talk about Barbie. Okay, there's a couple of things that are going to make this worth getting on the Patreon to watch this video for. One, one, what you didn't see is that when I said Barbie, you saw in his eyes, he became a sentient choose your own adventure book for a second. Because you saw him, it was like, let's talk about Barbie. And you saw him like, look around his screen for which joke he was supposed to tell now. Because he clearly has one for Oppenheimer as well. Then he took the graphic for Barbenheimer off. 
And I realize now that this was an error, which I'm not trying to point in an error, but it was great timing because he took the, the graphic for Barbenheimer off so that he could have put it back on for the punchline of the joke. And I was like, well, that's that was brilliant. Yeah, no, they that both was, both the images brilliant and economical. Both of those images start with the word Barb. So I just clicked the wrong one. You just click the first file name that you saw. You're like, there you go. Fuck my life. I only have one note for this movie written down. Okay. Do you want to know what it is? You know what? Yes. Well, wait. All right. Does it feed into whether you like this movie or not? No. Okay. It's completely irrelevant to anything. Great. Then let's let's get it over with. The only note I wrote is three words and it's fuck Ben Shapiro. (laughs) (laughs) did you like this movie i did i enjoyed it a lot i loved this movie yeah i loved it it's very very good many many reasons i loved it first of all i'll put this out on front street one of the things i loved it i was sitting in the theater and i was watching it it is completely bananas like it's just yeah so nonsensical it's relentless yeah and in a great way but i loved i was like Watching this movie and I was like, this is the number one movie in America right now. And probably of the year. And this I was like, this is like this is what's making the most money right now. Everyone. It was so hard to get a ticket to go see this movie. And I was like, this is fantastic. It's not. And, you know, listen, I love a good Marvel movie uh, or superhero movie or any of the movies that we usually cover on the show. But I was watching this movie and I was like. The fact that this is the number one movie in America, this is the craziest goddamn movie out there. Like, and the fact that everyone is like, yeah, I fucking love this movie. I'm like, thank God. So we we're as of recording this, we are one week past the premiere date for the film from its release. Yeah. And it has made, I mean, easily by the time this episode airs, it'll be past this. So very, very, very nearly. Yeah. Half a billion dollars. One week. And it is great. I love this movie. I love it for many, many reasons. I think it's very good. I think it takes a really big swing. Mm -hmm. And I think that swing isn't always a home run throughout the movie. Sure. Sure. But man, does it stick the landing. It really does. And I think even the swings that miss have something to them. Do you know what I mean? Like there's never a swing. There are certain portions where I was like. All right. Like it t- you could feel it take a big swing and it doesn't land as hard as they might want it to, but it's still like there's still something there to enjoy or just like be like, all right, I'll let it. There's enough around those misses that you're like, I'll let that miss go by. You know what I mean? I'll give it a pass. I'll still I'm still yes. in this. Well, and this goes hand in hand with it being as relentless as I was saying earlier. We're like, it doesn't let up. Yeah, there's never breathing room. It's just this, then this and then right. this happens. But this happens and then this and this and this. It's very dense and consolidated, which I really appreciate, as we'll talk about with Oppenheimer. And we'll say, you know, this is not to say that Oppenheimer is bad in any stretch of the way, but it's the opposite. There's a lot of breathing room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of this person's talking to this person, long pauses, walking from here to there. There's a there's a lot of like montages of things being built or people going places. This movie has none of that. No, it's it's. It feels like a child accidentally got into their parents' cocaine stash yep. and then dove into the toy chest. It just moves. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Okay, so the uh, uh, we can 
I'm trying to think. I was like, we should try and do some non-spoiler stuff yeah. before spoiler stuff. Although the plot of this movie is so, it's not that it's dense, it's brisk, but also like doesn't sit in one place for too long. I know that, I, I think I just defined the same thing twice. <laughs> but, um, so it's almost hard to do like non-spoilers, not because yeah. there's a lot to spoil, but because it's like... It moves so fast. Well, and partially because there was nothing in the trailers. Like the trailers right. are are just snippets. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is that and I I said this to a friend because you watch the trailer and you go, oh, the plot of this movie is that Barbie goes into the real world and then has to navigate the real world. And I went into that thinking that's what the plot is, and I was like, okay, well, I've seen this plot before. It'll probably have some good jokes. I'll probably have a good time, but I know this plot already. And that is like the first act of the movie. And from there, it gets fucking crazy. Yeah. Like it just goes all over the place in ways that I love. All right. All right. This is a weird comparison, but I was I was listening to an interview with a, a former writer of Seinfeld. And this is the guy who went on to take over the show Veep with Julie Louis-Dreyfus and like was the showrunner of that show and won Emmys and everything like that. And he said, the reason I got so good as a writer is because I would have my plot for the episode of Seinfeld that I wrote and I would take it to Larry David and I'd be like really happy with this script that I wrote. I got the three, you know, I got the five acts and everything and we're good to go. And I'd show him the thing and he'd condense it like he'd find all the space and he'd take my script and condense it down and my five acts all of a sudden became two acts and I had three acts to fill for the rest of the episode, which was great because then I could take it into really weird areas. And this is what this movie does. Yeah. It's like that first act is is what you've seen in the trailer. That is what they make you think the plot is for the movie in the trailers. And you get done with that real quick. And then you're like, well, where else are we going? It's interesting, too, because even that... You really got to pay close attention to the trailers, because I, if I'm remembering correctly, the only thing that really hints that she's going into the real world is a sign that well, as she's driving, yeah. you see it say, welcome to the real world. Yeah, you see some clips of her in like, you know, the rollerblading down the street in the real world sure. and things like that. They don't give away like what exactly is going on in the real world, but they just yeah. give away like she goes into the real world. And that's it. if this was the 90s, we would have heard Will Ferrell in the trailer yell like, we've got to get her back to Barbie world. Or right, whatever. right, right, right. Yeah. But that's like the first act of the movie. And then it goes bananas from there. And I loved it because yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on right now. It's also great. It uh, is very abstract. It's a lesson in how abstract art can be. And it's also a lesson in recognizing that just because something isn't, you know, it's not like a Schindler's List. Right. Or uh, it's not deep and heavy. And, right. It, yeah. That doesn't mean it's not art. Yeah. It's art. Yeah. And you can do whatever you want with it. I think also this is uh, I'm going to try and do this. Uh, so basically really quick. The the basic plot of this movie is that Barbie and you some of this again is in the trailer where it's like Barbie all of a sudden something's going wrong in Barbie land and she has to go to the real world to fix it. And basically she finds that like the real world isn't what she thought it was going to be, right? I'll, I'll leave it as that, to try and leave it as non-spoilery as possible. And that Barbie does not have the impact that she thought that it does. Which, first of all, I will say this, and, and this is a plot point that they give away, like, immediately in the movie, so I don't feel like I'm, I'm giving a major spoiler here. But, like, I like the idea that 
any other movie, the, the easy plot point is, wait, there's a real world? Whereas in this, it's very much established right away that, like, Barbies know that they're Barbies. They know that they're toys. They exist in a fantasy land. And their fantasy land is created by people playing with Barbies. And that's what gives them their world, right? And so when things go wrong, she has to, like, find the person that's playing with her, right? Which I love. And then when she goes, she finds that maybe the things that they thought about the real world that Barbie does for the real world is not what's going on. And from there, our adventure takes off. This might be one of the last things I can say before we get into like actual spoilers, I guess, is that, and this is a weird thing to say, and it's a rare thing for me to say, but like, (laughs) I'm going to say kudos to the giant company for this movie, because honestly, Mattel took kind of a big swing with this, with this thing, because this is not the most complimentary movie about Barbie and about their brand. And they spend a fuck ton of money on it and they back it fully. And it's got a message that is, while, while it, it is a fantastic message and an important message, it is not, it is very much a message about almost the shortcomings of their own product and how it tried to do something but didn't achieve it. And, you know, it ends on a positive kind of a positive note of like, but there's potential to still do that. But like this, I kept watching this movie and I was like, I can't believe Mattel really yeah. actually signed off. On this <laughs> one. And I know that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, the, the writers and the director had said this going in. And I was like, what could they really mean by that? And then I watched this whole movie and I'm like, yeah, I can't believe they signed off on this either. Let me tell you, I've worked with Mattel before and yeah. uh, I also cannot believe I'm sure they're they're very I mean this is their trademark this is not just anything especially about Barbie in specifically yeah and the fact that they signed off on this movie is like I said I'm like good for them yeah honest to God I mean this fully and it's a rare thing for me to say about a giant corporation yeah but good for them this is really good and they took a swing and they accepted like whatever the artist gave them. And I was like, way to go. Did you ever yeah. find it at all a little too heavy handed with certain messages? No. All right. No. And I'll t- and again, we'll we'll get into it a little more detail in a minute. But I didn't find it heavy handed. And it's partially because one, the cast is great. And they're just I mean, every there's not a weak link in this whole damn cast. You know what I mean? Like Ryan yeah. Gosling is amazing. Margot Robbie is incredible. America Ferreira is fantastic. Every one of the Barbies and the Kens are great. Michael Sarah is hilarious. In this. <laughs> I will say as well, before we continue, just because you reminded me. Yeah. Margot Robbie proves once again that she is maybe the most talented, at least actress in Hollywood. Yeah. Maybe in the top five actors. She's really. Yes. She's fantastic. But I think one of the reasons is that it's amazing. They took almost literally two dimensional characters and gave them very, very deep third dimensions. Like Ken, I really felt for Ken in this. And I'm not saying this like because I'm a man. I'm like, eh, whatever. It's because you're a chauvinist. Yeah. It's because I'm a chauvinist. Yeah. (laughs) But honestly, like they took... Okay, I don't want to get in and say anything else without 
because this is going to start to get into spoilers. All right. Let me say one last thing on that topic then before we get into spoilers, which is that uh, you may have heard, listener, that this movie is anti-men. It isn't. Every single person in this entire story is a fucking moron. And most of them are women. They're all idiots. You heard it here first. Andrew said all women are morons in this story. Yeah. All of every single person is like the dumbest person you could ever find in ever. Right. Ken has a pretty good redemption arc. Yes, he does. And very quick, too. Like, it's not like he, I don't know, sacrifices a baby to, I don't know, do something horrible. Right. It's not like he's he's villainous. No, he. Is a he's a human being yes. who is flawed in the same way that these other characters are human beings who are flawed. And he's trying to just figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. In the same way that all of them are. Yes. A hundred percent. Different things. Yes. But. Yeah. 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 Can we continue into spoilers and I'll continue Let's do my it. thoughts on that? OK. All right. So spoilers for Barbie from here on out. Um, so basically for the two other acts for act two and act three ken's the villain it's weird as well because the movie doesn't really have a villain no i mean i'm using that i, as I know but I'm, I'm adding to what you're saying as well that like like will ferrell is also still the villain kind, kind of? of a villain but not it's quite. very anti-traditional story structure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I appreciate. Yeah. But Ken, they make... So basically what happens, now that we're in spoilers, is that Barbie goes in the real world because she realizes something is wrong and uh, with the person that is playing with her. And so she needs to go into the real world and fix it. And when she gets there, Bar- Barbie land is always under the impression that because girls play with Barbies and Barbies are Supreme Court justices and doctors and lawyers and this and that. The fucking president of the United States. The four heads on Mount Rushmore. All the Barbie toys that have ever come out in the world, they all have some sort of occupation or something. So obviously, and the point of having Barbie do that is to empower young girls to think like, I don't need to be just a housewife. I can be whatever I want to be. And so obviously this is continued in the real world, except Barbie gets here and realizes that's not the case. Barbie gets there and is like, I can't believe women don't run the world. And Ken gets there and is like, I can't believe women don't run the world. Because in his world, women run the world and Ken's are really just cast aside as like extras. Like they're just like, uh, whatever they're just there for uh, you know a fucking background which also like here's the thing you said that ken for the last part of this movie is kind of the villain from a different perspective he's kind of a hero rising up against an oppressor yes yes and then they reach a point where they realize they both need to treat each other differently, differently. yeah they both go kind of one has gone too one has taken it too far and then the other one takes it too far they both are overcompensating and then they both realize they need to tone it down because Ken goes into the real world and realizes men r- rule the world and is like, oh, my gosh, this is a great thing. I can adapt this here and I can take it back to Barbie land and, and basically takes over Barbie land and just shits it. Just just shits the bed. You mean Ken land or yeah, whatever? Ken, wait, the Kendom? Is the that Ken- what it's called? The Kendom. It was the Kendom, yeah. right? Yeah. But... I really and I was there was a moment where I was like, fuck, am I taking the wrong message from this because I'm a man? But I remember watching Ken and it was like, I feel for Ken right now. Yeah. And I was like, they gave him three. He was not this mustache twirling. I'm a chauvinist and the hell with women. He it really comes down to I don't have an identity. I love you. You won't give me the time. of, And all I want is your attention. 
And all I want is your affection. And that would be enough for me. And you don't see me. Right. Well, and interesting, too, it's not just that that's that's what he thinks he wants. What he wants is to feel validation and feel right. It's interesting because they throw a joke in at the end and it is three words that can describe yeah. all that he wants. And the three words are I am Kenuff, I which I loved. Yes. <laughs> so, funny. so great. But all he wants is. He spent his entire life not being enough for his entire town. Feeling inadequate. Yes. And all he wants is to be enough. Yes. And and that's why I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like this movie that is about dolls not only is great, but also made their antagonists like fully formed yeah where you, the, it's, the, it's the old adage of like the villain is the hero of their own story exactly which isn't always true right you know what i mean yeah sometimes they're watch, hitler sometimes they're just villains they're sometimes the they're villain yeah exactly so but this and this would have been one of those movies that if they had done that you would have gone like yeah that makes sense it's about barbie yeah, like uh, there could almost be a ken cut where the camera's just on the other side around from behind his shoulder right showing it from his point of view and he has a and he has a point, a valid point of view. And yeah. I was like, I, I was like, that is amazing that they treated it like this. Um, Ryan Gosling is fantastic in this movie. This is maybe, I mean, I haven't seen admittedly a lot of Ryan Gosling stuff. It's the best thing I've seen him do. Yeah, this is fantastic. I mean, great. There are deep cut. If you've ever played with a Barbie, which uh, I mean, I know you and I are like <laughs> fucking. Uh, I actually don't think I ever did. No, I didn't either yeah i bet um but there's some i love that there are deep cuts in this you know what i mean like michael sarah's alan all the characters in this are real yeah. like they all existed at one point yes alan is great it's just and the humor in this is just fantastic it's just it's just so ridiculous there's a dance number in the middle of this my god it's tremendous you mean a dance fight the dance the dance off <laughs> it's really just and ju- i mean it's really good. I can't. I don't, I'm trying to think of what else I could say. This is we're getting into the one of those one of those conversations where it's like it's hard to talk about this because we it's really good. And so I have nothing. Yeah. To pick apart about this at all. Like, yeah. I mean, the there's a, a large section of this is about what it means to literally become a woman. Right. And like discovering what it means to find your femininity as a woman in the real world. Right. I think, Chris, you and I are the best people to talk on that. Absolutely. <laughs> but there are people who think that that makes it heavy handed or anti-men or. No. You know, uh, you know, sma- that, that, uh, it's it's interesting, though, too, because uh, Mattel has given statements on this and said that it is not a feminist film, which. I would encourage them to watch it again or perhaps for the first time. Yeah, they're going to get through it and be like. Wait a minute. Will Ferrell looks like a bad guy. There's a lengthy speech in this that <laughs> I'm not sure isn't. Did that little girl just call Barbie a fascist? Yeah. Let's shut this whole thing down. Yeah. But uh, it is beautiful and moving. Yeah. Margot Robbie gives the best performance I've ever seen her do. Yeah. There's a scene as well that was almost cut out. If you've seen the movie, it is uh, when she's sitting on a park bench about halfway through the film and looking at all the people yes. laughing and smiling. And yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she starts to cry and she turns to this old woman sitting on the bench next to her who she doesn't know. And she says, you're beautiful. 
And uh, the old woman says something like, I know, honey. She says, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you right. fucking cycle. She says, I don't have any change. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that scene, they asked Greta Gerwig to cut it. And she just was like, nah, no, thanks. Um, pass. And it's great because it is indicative of the entire message of this film. Yeah. If this film had been what it is with from the Barbie side and Ken had been that kind of two dimensional mustache twirling character villain right then the people are like oh well this is just this is just woke feminism i first of all i'd be like it is but also go fuck yourself because it would be it would feel heavy-handed but the fact that they balanced it right when they're like oh it's feminism i'm like do you not see the other side of this movie too do you not see the fact that they did let I don't want to say credence, but like they gave the male characters. They gave it some clear water, some, some clear water. Yeah. They a revival. Gave, yeah. You might say. No, as soon as I said the word credence, <laughs> you would find a way to work that in. But they, they gave him an actual storyline, which is also something that like, I'm not saying that this is a storyline that, that or an arc that all men feel, but like people feel this. Men I and think it's women. very common in young men. Yeah. That they're like, I just want to be seen. I just want to be seen. Yeah. And I want to feel purposeful. And that's something that every one man or woman could feel. But that is something that men can also feel as well. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason that like so many young men are so obsessed with fucking Andrew Tate and Alex Jones and Ben Shapiro and shit. And like Jordan Peterson, all these people who are saying like, it's not your fault. It's the woman's fault. Right. It's society's fault right. for changing women. Right. That's why that works so well on these like. 17 to 20 something year old men is because they have this feeling of like, I reached out, I put myself on the line to like express my feelings to somebody and that person didn't want and me. Shit on me. And what an adult would do yeah. is say like, okay, on to the next person. Right. And also I don't need another person to feel okay in my own skin. Right. But when you're that young, you don't always know how to do that, especially when society is telling men, you've got to be strong. Crying is yeah. for the weak. Man Therapy up. is for crazy yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. And so it really does. And so when they're like, oh, it's feminist propaganda, I'm like, you're, no, it's a well-rounded movie. Also, so if they made, um, I almost called him Ben Kingsley. What the fuck is his name? Ben Shapiro? Ryan Gosling. Oh, okay. Jesus. If they made Ryan Gosling a wait, Snidely on, Whiplash. Wait, you almost called Ryan Gosling Ben Kingsley? I'm very tired. <laughs> wow. I think I almost called him Ken Bingsley. <laughs> oh, that's his name now. Anyway, if Ken Bingsley had been a Snidely Whiplash, like mustache twirling guy. Right. It's but I'm I'm almost disagreeing with you. I, I agree that people would say, ah, this is bad. This is feminism and blah, blah, blah. Right. But it's not. I mean, it, maybe it is, but it'd be the same kind of feminism as this. Feminism is just believing that women have a place and deserve equality right. to men. And that's what I mean. What it would I'm, be is just yeah. bad storytelling. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It would be heavy handed, which I will say as well. Speaking of, and no spoilers for this, okay. but I just finished Secret Invasion <laughs> and uh, storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Storytelling is very important. Yeah, but this movie is. As Barbie is proving. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Uh, here's the other thing the, it, it's kind of a stunt. This humor. I don't want to say it's not for everybody in the way and make you think like it's dick jokes for, for two hours. <laughs> I wish. But it's not for everybody because it becomes very absurd. Like it is really stylized. Like if you here's the thing. If you like like Anchorman or something like that, this movie is for you. Sure. Like th- it's that weird kind of I See, I think that also thing. doesn't do it justice, though, because I think Anchorman is fine. No, but I'm saying a style wise. It's I hear you. Similar it's, it's compared in to that other vein. Com- yeah. But to say, like, if you like Anchorman, you'll probably like that. It's a it's still a very very different 
movie. I'm not saying it's the same movie. I know, I know, I know what you're saying, but I just don't want people to get the wrong impression, is all I'm saying. I'm telling that, right, but I think, uh, but okay, alright, fine. Okay. I just wanted to add to what you were saying. That's all. Right. But you want, don't want people to get the wrong impression. I think you saying that gives them the wrong impression. I disagree. I think. Okay. It's, but yours is not the final impression. Yes, so, it is. Some no. of the. <laughs> let me tell you, I edit these. So it literally is. Sure. Go nuts. Go crazy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway, I, I see what you're trying to say. A lot of the humor is kind of the same, but it's. It's weird because it's like the feminine version of that. Yeah. Because yes. the jokes in Anchorman are very masculine. Yes. Heavy. It's not about femininity or, or masculinity. Right. I'm, no, I know. I'm saying it's a the style. absurdity. Yeah. The absurdity of it. Like if you're if you're looking for like a James L. Brooks movie or you're looking for, you know, but it's hard as well. That also doesn't do it justice because they're like entire like 20 minute segments that are deep and moving and emotional. I'm and- not saying they're not. We were just talking about that. Oh my god, I can't say I one know, fucking Chris, thing on I'm this just podcast. Saying Jesus Christ. That, oh my like, good lord. Good lord. Jeez. I'm just trying to clarify because I agree no with you. clarifying. I made my thought very clear, <laughs> didn't I? What do you need to clarify? Yeah, you're right. It's exactly the same as Anchorman. That's not what I said. I know. <laughs> Jeez, what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Alright, so... Did you take your pills? <laughs> What's that? Did you take your pills? No, I should take some pills and just put myself out of this misery. <laughs> Jesus. Alright, fine. Whatever Andrew says, it's not... It's whatever movie Andrew says it's like. There you go. Passion of the Christ. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Alright. Wonderful. Whatever. No, I, I... Like I said, I'll say it a third time, I agree with you. But I just don't want people to go in to hear us say that and think like, oh, Anchorman... I don't know. You know what I mean? Or they might hear it and go the other way, too. Right. But if you like Anchorman because it's like, I got Panther sweat cologne and it's going to be sexy time because 40 percent of the time it works all the time. I think you're taking the wrong idea. That's what I'm saying. I don't want people to take the wrong idea. So I'm just trying to clarify. Just move on. Just let a thought happen and then move on. Chris, we're going to get tweets. Very just just if you think Jesus that Barbie is like Anchorman, Whoa. uh write in right in today <laughs> and tell us. Tell us what parts felt like oh Anchorman. God. Was it this the part where Will Will Farrell said bother. I'm in a glass case of emotion? Which he might have said in this movie, I don't remember. <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> or, or if he said that escalated quickly, that could have happened as well. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about this movie. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what would you rate it out of 10? Honestly, I would give it like a nine and a half out of 10. And I'm trying to think what I would dock the point five for. And I'm not even sure. Uh, just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I really can't think of anything. I give it a nine out of 10. I think some of the jokes don't land as well as yeah. they wanted them to. Yeah. I think so, I actually did feel at times a little bit like some of it was a little heavy handed. Not you much. Uh, okay. I, I'll tell you what. Here's what I'll dock the point five for. That chasing in the Mattel office is a little too long. Yeah. See, stuff like that. That's it. Yeah. But that's it. That, that's what I mean. Even stuff like that where I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And then it goes on a little too long and then they move on and I'm like, that ah, I'll give you that. All right. Yeah, for me, it's a little bit of stuff like the little kid listing off all the things and being like, "Okay, I'm going to make you cry. You're a fascist. Like a little bit of that feels a little weird at times. The only time that felt weird to me was when she's like, I'm Barbie. And none of the they all were just like, all right, Right. let's just tear down the psychopath. Yes. And at first I was like, do you 
think because they also the Mattel office is slightly heightened Barbie world esque. Yes, and then outside that building is it isn't. Yeah, and so. I was a little confused on like right because they immediately believe that, that she's, she's Barbie, Barbie or but they don't because then right. she says yeah. they arrested that psychopath and I was like oh so you don't think right that she's exactly Barbie. yeah I don't it was it's something it was that was very a little com- weird they were very comfortable talking Which, to the stranger part of the genius of this film admittedly is that nothing matters because yeah, there, there but are that's no the rules other thing. it doesn't yeah why is Mattel, why is the Mattel building and the CEO the same kind of absurd heightened right world that is Barbie land. Oh my god! But nothing else. It just doesn't. But who gives a shit? That's I just realized I mean. something. What's up? <laughs> I just connected it to Anchorman. Okay. There's a scene in both of them where somebody gets a gun from somewhere and fires it. it ju- yeah, the one guy gets shot in the arm, and, <laughs> and they're, they're just like, "Whoa, who has a gun?" Again. That happens in Anchorman. It does. Steve Carell has yes. one. And they're like, "Where did you get so, a gun?" I in this one, I don't even think you see the gun. No, you, you just see hear somebody a bang. Get shot. And you see someone get and and some guy goes like, I got shot in the arm. And then the next time you see him, he has a sling on. Yeah. And that's it. And they just and I'm like, great. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. There are no rules in this universe, which is genius. No sense at all. There's not been a a real gun in in Barbie land ever. But I don't give a shit. Like, I'll just go with it. I'll just go with the joke. And it's great in that sort of way. Yeah. So for me, some of the stuff is a little it takes a little too long. Yeah. It's a little too heavy handed. But f- for real, like it's one point off. If that for me, it's a very, very good film. I, and that's what I mean. I'm like every swing that misses used to. You know what? There's not a. will put it this way. There's not a swing that misses. They foul a couple. But they make contact uh, at least yeah. in some in some way. I agree you know with what that. I mean? There's something in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really great. Yeah, uh, and this movie as well is like it's a masterclass in utilizing color and themes and honestly easy special effects. Yeah. In order to heighten an already heightened stylized world. Yeah, and also it's a good like, hey, we just let the the creator just do what they want to do. And you know what it came out with? A Maybe. great. I mean, I assume I, there's always little bits of things. You never know, man, because people said that about George Lucas and Star Wars Forever, and then it turned out, oh no, they were good because right. Fox made them. But again, this does not feel like, like I said, they take some good shots at Barbie. Yeah, and what bar and at, at, at the idea of what Barbie is. I agree. Supposed to be. I'm just hesitant to speculate on something because, like, Wendy's is taking shots at themselves now too, and okay, I don't know. It, it's kind of the trendy thing to do, so I don't know. I'm just hesitant to say this was 100 percent all Greta Gerwig, and then like five years from now, mm-hmm. I suspect you're probably right. Great, fantastic. All right, do you want to move on to Oppenheimer? Do I, Chris? An eccentric scientist embarks on an incredible journey to create something that will change the entire world for the worse in this incredible, true story. But enough about my last trip to Taco Bell. Let's talk about Oppenheimer. Oh, my gosh. All right. So this is going to be a just hard break left right here. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Is this not like on a scale of one to ten? How much is this like Anchorman Oppenheimer? Oh, it's like, I mean, ten and a half. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I was going to say like negative seven. I was laughing hysterically. It's not, not what you got from this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough, man. It, in a good it's a, way. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's hard. It's hard to get it's through. A, it is. In a good it way is. again. Yeah. 
What did you think of Oppenheimer? I really liked it. Uh huh. There were a couple moments that I kind of zoned out. Probably doesn't need to be three hours. Yeah, I can see that. It is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Incredibly well acted. Killian Murphy knocks it out of the park. All the actors in this, and yes. as in Barbie. Yes. I, I feel like literally half of Hollywood was in each of them, right? Like, it was kind <laughs> yeah. of like... If you weren't in Barbie, you were in this one. It was like getting assigned, like, which lunch hour you were going to go to and figuring out yeah. which of your friends you were going to see <laughs> you know, yeah. in school. Like you were either think, in one or the there, other. Is there any crossover between these two movies? I don't no, think there is. There's not a single one. No, which is incredible because this cast in, uh, especially has f- like everyone. I think I'm in the movie. So I'm not Barbie, sure. Man. This one, I felt like, and maybe it's just more noticeable in this one, but this one it's felt definitely more like older, like, People who have done work for longer. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah this yeah, one yeah. you could see like, oh, that guy and that guy. But even there's stuff guy. like, did you check out the cast list of Barbie? Oh, yeah. Because there were people I had no idea were in it. Like the, the woman from Umbrella Academy and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's one of the Barbies. Yeah, so the villain from Secret Invasion is one of the Kens. And yeah, yeah. Just the new Doctor Who and John Cena's fucking in it and yep. like fucking yep. everybody. Yeah, I know. I know. And so I like know. this is no different, but it also is equally well acted. Right. Probably got to give them more credit for that because it's much more grounded and realistic. Yeah, I, I maybe yes. again, like it's hard for me to say, it, but like it is. I feel like that's more difficult than being like, hey, Barbie, I'm the best. I'm coolest. Well, that but that movie, Barbie felt like it was a little more of. Uh, you know, and comedies will have this, but like you can like on the day you're like just throwing stuff out and seeing what's going to stick to the wall. Sure. Yeah. This is like you could feel like now we got to do a fucking script right now. Like, this right. Is, yeah. You got to like yeah. stick to it. And I feel like that's Nolan's bread and butter, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, very good. Uh, amazing cinematography and mm-hmm. lighting work and practical effects work like there are moments not to spoil anything that that you see Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy, and behind him, the room is shaking or colors are changing or something. And it's to show what is happening. It's also very abstract. Yeah, it it's is. to show what's happening in his mind. Yeah. I get, yeah, this is this is another one where it's like, yeah, this is this is Nolan's like. I mean, Nolan is a is a filmmaker. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he makes film. But I've never seen anything that he's done. And I haven't seen all of his movies, but I've never seen anything that he's done. Right. Where like if if you see something happening in the room, mm-hmm. nobody else can see that thing happening except for one character. But that, but I'm just saying like he gets he's he is definitely since he ended the Dark Knight trilogy, you can feel feel him now that he has like the the clout and the prestige to uh, get big budget and go like, yeah, I can deliver like good box office, but also I want to do this movie. You know what I mean? I want to do this movie yeah. a certain way and have this stuff in it that he's like, yeah, I'm a filmmaker and I'm going to do really like, yeah, this feels like almost like an art tour. Yes. Made this movie. It does. And this was another one where I was like watching it and, and there are those moments that are kind of, not quite abstract, but they're a little more, yeah, cerebral. And I was like, this is like the number two movie in America right now. It's a three hour, beautiful piece of cinema. And 
I'm in a full theater right now and I'm in standard definition because the entire IMAX run is sold out. And I was like, this <laughs> is fucking great. Also, Warner Brothers, you're an idiot. You let this man go. Well, they didn't let him go. He quit. But you know what I mean? Who? What are we talking about? Because he refuses to work with Warner Brothers now. Really? Yeah. We, I think we I covered this. He, uh, uh, this was back during COVID when they released. Um, uh, but I'm going to run backwards down a mountain movie. Tenet. On uh, streaming. And he's like, that's not what you agreed to. Wait, who are you talking about? Christopher Nolan. I thought you meant Killian Murphy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know what his thoughts on Warner <laughs> Brothers are. He could be like, fuck okay. you, too. So that was a, I assume that Tenet was a WB movie. Yes, it was. Yeah. And he, and gotcha. he was like, you said you were going to release this in cinemas. And they were like, gotcha. well, it's COVID. And he's like, And then he and Scarlett Johansson started a class action lawsuit. <laughs> exactly. So then he's like, well, I'm not working with Warner Brothers again. Wow. And uh, that was dumb because this is amazing. Yeah. Chris Nolan is a is a, a a piggy bank you don't want to screw over. Yep, 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 yep. And I love that this is he is a piggy bank you don't want to screw with. And when you go see his movies, you're like, I gotta think about this. Yeah, like, and he plays up. It's not that he challenges you to think. It's just he knows that you're smart. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yes. he gives you the respect as an audience member mm-hmm. to just go like, all right, you're gonna fu- we're gonna go, we're going in this direction, and then we're gonna go in this room. I here, will okay? say that as well about Barbie, for better or worse. You don't have to think a lot about it. It's Mm-mm. very conscious. <laughs> it's very in your face. It tells you exactly what the movie is about. Yeah, I, I mean, the cast is fantastic in this. There's not again, and not a, a weak link in this. I mean, Killian Murphy is gonna get an Oscar nomination. Yeah. But he so has to, everyone in this. He has to, for sheer volume alone, well, have yeah. to get a nomination for it. But um, I, you know who else I think is going to get a nomination out of this? Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. He is so not Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. I agree. In a good way, in a great way. And not that he is bad being Robert Downey Jr. in all of his other movies. But, like, I honestly, up until I think maybe a week ago did not realize he was in this movie because I was watching him in the trailers and not knowing who that was. Oh, interesting. And then I was like, I don't want to look up. who I was at first. I was like, I'll look up who that is. And then I was like, nah, I want to go see the movie. And when I realized who it was, I was like, oh, shit. And then you watch him and he's so contained compared to what he is on screen for most of his other roles, but still so compelling. Yeah, that. I was like, oh, this guy's really doing something. Some it really feels like a, a lion in a cage. Yes, he does. In this. Uh, and because you, you could feel him like kind of wanting to come out. And, yeah. and he chooses his moments to let that out very carefully. Yeah. yeah, the cast is great. It's it's amazing. The pace of it was interesting to me. The pace of it. It's funny because you said it. You felt like it dragged. And for me, sometimes I didn't. Yeah, I'm not saying the whole thing, but to me, it actually actually for a lot of it to me, I felt it was moving almost too quickly. Really? But at the same time, I agree with you. I don't think this needs to be three hours. Right. And he does. uh, um, Nolan has gotten into this thing through more of his movies. It feels like he does vignettes now. You know what I mean? Like scenes aren't scenes they're like little snippets and a lot of this is happening the the momentum of this is like you know especially when they start building Los Alamos they're like uh we got to do this and we got to get this guy and we're going to go here and we're going to do that so it's a lot of like talk, you know Matt Damon and him talking on a train and then 
while they're talking about where they're going, they're flashing to the scene of what they're of where they're at and, and things are happening at the same time. But so because of that, you don't always get like a full, you know, a scene typically will have like, all right, this is what this scene is about. Here's the conflict within the scene. And then something happens to propel us to the next scene. And this feels like it just goes from like moment to moment to moment to moment to moment and moves very quick. And I think if you cut some of it out and make it less than three hours, you can let those scenes breathe. Because, you know, the acting is fantastic in this. And there are certain moments and certain scenes in this. But a lot of it was like, we're going to go here. And because a lot of it centers around different hearings and trials. And that's the structure of the movie. And so you're getting everything in snippets and questioning. But because of that, I was like, we're like booking it at a pace. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. feels almost like a dream. Yes, at times. it does have kind of a dreamlike quality, and I th- yeah. and and that's one of the things where I was like, it moves it along, but almost at a point of like, no, I kind of want to see some moments sit like more naked Florence Pugh. Oh yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that she's great in this too. That made she, me uncomfortable, <laughs> but I think which, it's supposed to. Which time? Yes. Spoiler, Florence Pugh is naked in this. I guess we didn't even do like spoilers. Uh, depending on what country you're in. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Did they just cut this? Because the first one, they put a black they put a black dress over her. Well, you don't see nudity, right? In, in the, the next one. In the trial one. Yeah. Which if you haven't seen this movie, that's going to be a confusing thing to hear. Yes, it is. Spo- All right. Spoilers for Oppenheimer. We're too late. I can't. We can't go back. Spoilers for a movie about real events. There I know. It's there's barely a, if you know anything about this guy, which most of America probably doesn't. But right. Uh, it's yeah. It's just his life. Yeah, it is. You see her butt from behind. That's so true. There's that. Maybe they just crop it or something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But that's what I mean. I'm like, or maybe she's wearing pants or maybe she's- <laughs> I would be fascinated to see. And he's just like, I- ow, ow. Yeah, they're just, yeah, if they just, you know, somewhere. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, the story is that India covered this up. Literally. They literally literally covered her up. Covered it up. And they didn't blur it. They put, in the first scene, they put a black dress over her, I believe. Yeah, she's just sitting naked in the first scene. No, no, in the sex scene where he reads the Sanskrit book. Even in that? Because I've seen the shot of. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, no, I haven't seen it. I thought that's what I read. Uh, Oh, okay. In the one where she's. I've seen in the, the shot of her. It's when they're sitting in the chairs. Oh. I don't know what they did. Maybe they did the same thing in that shot as well, because it's the same scene, right? No. Oh, it's not. It's two different scenes. So wait a minute. <laughs> this movie's so long, I've forgotten how many Florence Pugh naked scenes there are. First one is uh, they meet at a party. And then uh, they're having sex, and then she goes over to the bookshelf. And reads the he makes him read the Bhagavad read the, Gita. Yeah, exactly. Which is where really the the controversy is. Going. And then there's another um, one. And then I there's the trial. And then, then it's them sitting in the chairs. Yes, and then it's them sitting in the chairs. And so you're saying, so that's the one where she has a black dress on. I, and I don't know if there are if if what they did for the others, but I have seen yeah. a screenshot. Okay. of her wearing a black dress in that. I assumed that the black dress one was the first one because gotcha. he's reading a book of text uh, while having sex with her, which I think. A lot of people in India hold sacred, so they don't. No, I'm sorry, the book is sacred, not uh, Florence Pugh naked. So, so quite a sight to behold. Uh, so I, I assumed that the black dress scene was that. Yeah, scene. I googled it just now, and the only thing that's coming up 
Is, no, I believe you. I, but I no, also no, didn't, no, no, no. Like, I'm just saying, like, I was hoping that it would show me like what they did for the other scenes. But and unfortunately, they're just showing you Florence Pugh naked. <laughs> no, just in the fake dress. Yeah, sitting on a chair. It'd be great if every scene that she had a different outfit. And there was had to be a meeting of like, what do we put her in? And they just went through. They just had clip art. And they just click through all sorts of different things. At one point, it was the T-shirt with the fake bikini body on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At one point, when the, when she's having sex with him in the in the hearing, she's wearing a T-shirt that says "I'm with stupid." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> just as death to America. Yeah, board shorts or yeah. <laughs> she's wearing the juicy sweatpants from Victoria's <laughs> Secret. It's, it's yeah. like a, just a basic sorority girl or something. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Says I like Ike. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, just every everyone, just a weird clip art of a piece of clothing uh, over top of it. You should do it. I mean, every print, just a different article of clothing. Nowhere in India are you going to see the same the same thing. It's like when they did the Captain America list in in uh, Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, and it's like every country had a different list, just different outfit everywhere you go. It's be great. You can and it gets up, you know, ticket sales because you can, every time you go into new town, you want to go see Oppenheimer just to see what she's wearing. Fun fact though, if you watched Winter Soldier in India, you know what was on that list? Yeah, Florence Pugh naked. Wow, really? Yes, amazing. That was really fo- that was great foresight on them. <laughs> But yeah, the, I mean, the cast is really strong. I don't know what else to say about like a, a movie that's based on real events, really. Yeah. What are we going to say? Like, well, the plot was riveting. Like, well, interesting happened, stuff as well. Know? Like, it's kind of, you know, I haven't seen anybody talk about this. I understand why it is like this. It, I'm sure, can be explained to me and I will nod and say, yes, of course, I understand all that. No people of color. Right. I don't think uh, in a huge I cast. I don't think so. And I get it. You know, like it's the fucking 50, 40s, 40s, right? 30s, 40s, so 30s, 40s and 50s. Depending oh, on yeah, and 50s. And 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I get it. But I, I was like, and especially like no Japanese people, because there's even stuff like we read in Trinity when yeah. we read the graphic novel about this whole thing. You know, there's. Stuff involving the president of Japan and, yes. you know, other officials on their side and deciding what to do and right. how they should respond to us and stuff like that. And I, I think this story is told through the eyes of Robert Oppenheimer. Right. So I, I understand it, but also the same problem. Like, this is a thing that I'm getting on uh, Nolan's case about, because I also left Dunkirk thinking like. Not a single person of color in this movie at all. I mean, again, but there it's the same reasoning behind the I two. I know, I get it. I'm just getting sick. I'm getting bored of it, I think, is really all it is. Like, maybe he could do something about blues in the 60s next or something. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like... I'm sure he'd be just the person to direct a movie about blues in the 60s. I think it'd be great. I, I think he could do it. I, well, I mean, I think he could do pretty much anything. But Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. just something. I don't know. I, it would be nice to, to maybe choose a movie where there can be some people of color. Yeah. That's all. Like... Tenet. Sure. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. I know the lead is. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't know how many people of color in that movie. I've seen part of it and then I, I couldn't hear it. And so I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you think about the age work? Oh, like aging people up yeah, or, or down, down. Right. Because we see him in school. Mostly fine. Mostly good. 
you know. Yeah. Uh, there's the one scene at the very, very end. Oh, yeah. Where he's getting a medal. And I was yeah, like, yeah. all right, there's some old, there's some classic old man makeup right there. There is. Yeah, for sure. But for the most part, I mean, Killian Murphy looks very young, so it's not hard to age him down. I know. Yeah. Well, and I got halfway into the school scene and I was like, like literally 20 minutes in, I was like, Oh shit, he's a teenager. <laughs> like yeah. it didn't even occur to it, me. It, yeah, it's true. I will I will give it that. For, <laughs> I was like uh, in my mind he's at like early to mid 20s in that. But you're right, he has a teenager in that. It just clicks for me. And he, he looks like it. Like it, regardless of whether he looks like a teenager or 20s or whatever, yeah. he doesn't look fucking 47 or however no, old he, he is. No, he doesn't. Like even if you if you're like, yeah, he's definitely not 17 in that when he's supposed to be 17. He's young, he looks young enough that it's not it does not look like he doesn't look like a fucking narc in the, in the <laughs> this yeah. is not a this is not a 21 jump street sort of moment well and i wonder if this was a good choice i wonder if they tried to put him into high school years and they're like ah it looks fucked up looks weird so they dialed it back a little bit and they were like that looks at least realistic well also i think again nolan's a very practical filmmaker so i mm-hmm. feel like what he would do is like all right let's do some makeup to take you know just some of the bags out yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that gonna age him down all right all the background people all the other students they have to be around like his age too do you know what i mean so it looks again so it doesn't look like i have a 35 year old which he's way older than that but i have a third it looks like he has a 35 year old next to like a 16 year old or something and it just doesn't work so i think he just kind of like average aged something like that also kudos to killian murphy because he's acting like a high schooler and it works great yeah no it really works yeah he goes through the gamut in this in this movie yeah and he does it really well and he does it really well yeah this guy also oppenheimer god what a Fucking slut. He's just a dog in this movie. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, I, I like it because I want to be that. No, they don't put him on a pedestal of like, oh, he was a martyr and they just screwed this guy over. There, This guy wasn't the best guy in the world. Yeah, they walk the line. <laughs> this is this is going to be I did not mean to do this, but they walk the line in a way that movies like, say, um, was the Johnny Cash movie called Walk the Line? Uh, walk, No, I almost said walk hard, but that's not right. Yeah, that's a different one. I, isn't it Walk the Line? Because you're mine. I walk the line. I think it is. I'm almost positive. It's yeah. called Walk the Line. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The, like I, I was thinking about the Johnny Cash biopic. That's like. But then he got into drugs and he was a dickhead. Yeah. And it's like 30 minutes of him like being addicted to drugs, like screaming at his wife yeah. and kids. And he's a dick because he's on drugs. Right. Well, and even like in the first half, he had a gift from God. Yeah. And then he became a villain. Yeah. And then he found Jesus again. And now he's great. Yeah. You know, like there's so much nuance in Oppenheimer. Right. There are, it isn't like, Oh, well now he's a bad guy and now he's a good guy, but now he's a bad guy. We're not, no, he, he gives you the info and leaves it up to you to figure it out. Every little bit has a little bit of each. Every little bit makes it feel like now this guy is, is being hung up to dry and being persecuted, but also not the best guy in the world anyway. So maybe it's not that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I love how flippantly they add in a person that he had an affair with. I love that so much. <laughs> it was great. They're they just even, like, yeah, did, were you having an affair with her? He's like, well, yes. Yeah. And one of them, they literally said the woman he was having an affair with, her husband died of a broken heart from finding out that Oppenheimer was fucking his wife. And he went, nah, that's not true. Because he didn't know. <laughs> just fucking. And they just move on. Yeah. They just rattle on it's from never that. never mentioned before or after. Just never even moved on from that. It was just great. Nah, he didn't know I was fucking his wife, so he he died of a 
fucking heart attack. I don't know. Fucking fuck that a guy. A literal broken heart. Yeah, I don't care. Who gives a Too shit? Too many cheeseburgers. He, yeah, I don't care. So you're saying she's single now? All right, great. Fucking, I'll probably have sex with her after this. Yeah. What are you doing? You want to join? Like, we're fucking all over the place with this. So yeah, such a prick. Yeah. He's just such a prick. He tried to fucking kill his teacher. He did. That's one, actually, I was like, you could have probably taken that out because it doesn't really go, yeah. go anywhere. It's just kind of in there because it's an interesting story of like, this guy tried to kill his teacher His once. grandchild, actually his grandson, was like, I don't like that this story is still being told because there's no evidence that this happened and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure... It's in Oppenheimer's book that he wrote. Oh, really? And it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's like, his grandson is like, there's no evidence other than the guy admitted to it. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. I, yeah. This guy's just, he's not a piece of shit. He's just really interesting. He's a, he's a, he's literally he's a, little a piece. Bit of a piece of shit though. He's a tiny yeah. piece of shit. Yeah. 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 But he did a huge thing. <laughs> he sure did. Yeah. Can I give you my biggest negative critique of this film? Go for it. Not enough Richard Feynman. <laughs> of course. Did you see who Richard Feynman is played by? Who is who is it? I right. It. So I don't even think they ever mention him by name. Yeah. It's Jack Quaid. That's that's, that's Richard, Richard Feynman? Feynman. Okay. No, they don't mention his name. And there were a couple things that here's the other thing. So like uh, Melinda, after the movie was over, she was like, did all that shit with like his mistress like committing suicide and everything was that real and i was like ah i assume uh, so but probably. i was like i don't really know that much about oppenheimer That's a big thing to make up i, I know sure. i was like I, I assume it must be that being said you ask me questions all day long about richard Feynman, and i'll answer all of those so like there was stuff with involving richard Feynman that i, I kept being like that like the the real thing would have been way more interesting like the first time we see him mm-hmm. Oppenheimer is walking with him outside and he's trying to explain to him like you should be part of this thing that I'm doing because it's the most important thing ever and blah 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 right right Richard Feynman was sitting at his desk when a friend of his walked in and was like hey this guy Robert Oppenheimer is coming to me to talk about a job offer a job interview you should come too he's looking for like scientists you should you should come and Oppenheimer or, uh, Feynman was like I don't know it's not really my jam I'm barely a scientist I'm mostly just dick around and then he decided at the last minute to go mm-hmm. and the only person that Oppenheimer wanted was Richard Feynman from that group well and like that that sort of stuff is way more interesting well yeah but when he makes Feynman that'll make it into the movie that I know yeah. I know and also like so he was the guy as well who was like they asked him if he wanted the the shaded glass and he was like nah I'm in the car I got the window yeah. or whatever right yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a true story but Richard Feynman ended up driving the car like a few miles away from the explosion he was the closest person to the explosion when it went yeah, off yeah 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 which is fucking crazy yep. and yes in many ways yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> by the way did you know the uh, oh, there was lightning out there oh god Ooh. is it raining over there did you hear that on the mic? Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Nice. Is it raining? It is rain. Uh, well, I mean, I would assume it's thundering and lightning out. Well, but there's heat lightning and stuff, too, so I don't know. No, I, they were calling for rain tonight, so yeah. Oh, shit. It's leaking. I guess it's going to... No, it's going to rain here, I guess, probably pretty soon, because that's yeah. what usually happens. Yep, pretty much. That's that's how uh, weather works. What, what were you going to ask me about Richard Feynman? I was going to ask you if... He 
died. He did. Um, sure did. I, um, what was I going to say? Actually, I don't know where I was going to go from this. Emily Blunt is great in this. That's the, uh, Jason Clark shows up in this. That's crazy. I don't know who that is, but Jason Clark yeah. is the, he was the lead guy, the lead, uh, prosecuting lawyer. He's the guy from, um, the one, uh, Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> that's what, that's whatever. And he's in the Hurt Locker and he's in, no, the Hurt Locker. No, um, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, Same movie. Yeah. Emily Blunt, I didn't recognize in this until I looked it up later. I was going to say that scene between her and him in the in the uh, hearing where she just rips that lawyer a new one. Yeah. Even that, though. All right. I don't want to I don't want to rain on anyone's parade because I saw a lot of people who were like, oh, that scene does. Well, I would love to generally, but not in this case. But I saw a lot of people were like, oh, that scene alone deserves her an Oscar. And I think the. Uh, the problem I might have had, I think, is with the direction of that scene, because I was like, so wait, is she pretending at the beginning that she's nervous? No, she's actually nervous. No, she she's actually nervous. And then she pushes through. And then all of a sudden she's like the greatest attorney the world has no, ever I seen. Think th- I think the idea is that she clearly has some some issues. She is she's an yeah. alcoholic and she has some mental issues and things For like that. Sure. And they're like. I don't know if we can put her on the stand because she's just going to like crumble yeah. here. I thought that scene was fine. I just liked it. I thought it was, yeah, it was yeah. fine. I, I wasn't bad. I, I, I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is cool, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to think there. I mean, again, this it's an amazing movie. Did you, what did you think of the post credit scene? I want to see how long I could do that and see if you would buy it. I really, uh, there was a moment you didn't buy it, but I guarantee you everyone listening right now, if you're walking down the sidewalk, just stop for a second. was like, Oh fuck. Did I miss a Chris? You should know that I sit through the credits of every single film, even if they're three hours long. And I know there's no after credit scene. Well, that is a dumb thing to do. I know it is, but I do it anyway. Cause I'm a dumb person. Yeah. Yeah. I love the after credit scene where, uh, Oppenheimer heads over to Barbie and just fucks a bunch of Barbies. <laughs> <laughs> and all the Ken's die of a broken heart. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like whatever. Fucking... <laughs> oh my gosh. What a fucking slut that guy was. Yeah. It's great. It's, I mean, it's really, it's, it's amazing. It feels weird to boil this down to like, yeah, it was great. Like it's a piece of art. It is. It's really yeah. amazing. What would you give it out of 10? Uh, I'd probably give it like, um, like an eight and a half. Maybe a nine. Oh, worse than Barbie? A little bit. I mean, again, like Barbie. You liked Barbie more? They're really, I mean, it's hard to compare the two of them. Although here we are. I know. They're very different. And and, which is what everyone is doing. But yeah, Barbie, I think, uh, listen, this is a much more complex movie and it's dealing with a lot of uh, uh, kind of, I don't want to say more complex issues, but it is. There's like a real moral quandary to this whole thing that doesn't have a definitive answer. Whereas Barbie, it's a problem, but there's a definitive answer to this. It's pretty easy. Like be better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, uh, but I think Barbie really knows where it's going. Mm-hmm. It really kind of, tra- for me, it travels through the movie with a lot of confidence yeah. and it's like, this is the movie we're doing. And Oppenheimer does have a lot of confidence. Nolan is a confident filmmaker. You're just going to have, there's nothing I can yeah, do. We got to wrap this up soon. He's a confident filmmaker. But like I said, a lot of it, it now feels like he does this a lot in his movie. And maybe this is just his style, but it feels like vignettes. And so I was like, we're moving at such a brisk pace that I'm not getting to a chance to like really, always savor what's going on, which sucks yeah. because I love his worlds. 
I love his style. I will say this as well about Barbie. If you watch film for entertainment purposes, Mm -hmm. Barbie is a more entertaining film. Well, that's the other thing is I think Barbie works on both hits both quadrants. Barbie is a very entertaining film. If you just want to have a good laugh and be entertained, it's also a wonderful film. Like if you're an artist and you want to watch a filmmaker, like make something creative and express something creative It works on both levels. The Oppenheimer is a work of art. It is beautiful to watch. It is Nolan doing some of his best, probably some of his best work in his career. But like, if you're going into this, like, I just want to watch a movie. You're not getting that. That's not. Yeah. If you just want to put on something entertaining, Barbie is your movie out of these two. Yeah. And so because of that, it's a little better for me because it hits both those quadrants. But yeah, whoa, it's really fucking... Can you hear that on the mic right <laughs> yes, now? Yeah. It's really coming down right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I mean, how are you feeling? I think I liked Oppenheimer a little bit more than Barbie. But yeah. I agree with you. They're neck and neck. I, yeah. This is one of those things where you're like, I loved Oppenheimer and Barbie's not quite as... I'm like... Fine. Interesting thing about Oppenheimer as well uh, that I noticed halfway into the film is it also... So we were talking about how Barbie doesn't follow a traditional story structure. Oppenheimer stays closer to that, but even this has like, you know, multiple storylines happening at the same time. And even something that I found very interesting is that, you know, generally by the end of the second act or something like that in a three act structure, the protagonists are at their lowest point. Right. Right. You don't know how they're going to succeed. And right. The worst thing has happened. And now in the third act, we're going to see them climb their way back up to success. Yep. Oppenheimer. What that horrible thing is where the heroes are at their worst, at their lowest level, yeah. is when the bomb is created. Yep. Yeah. When they achieve the thing yes. that they. Yeah. And they're happy and then immediately realize what they've done. Well, see, for me also, the third act was interesting and it, it didn't lose me, but it did almost like it almost felt like a separate movie. Because for me, the third act is when they kind of transition after that and then they really get into the hearing with Robert Downey Jr., Right. And it's all about like what happened after yeah. World War Two ended. And I was like, oh, this is they kind of touch on it like throughout the movie. But then it really just is like it goes from like all these different plot lines and plot points that they're kind of weaving to get interweaving together. And then they kind of get rid of those. They like finish most of those up. And then the rest of the movie, like the last act of the movie, is just really that one thing. It probably could have been two movies. <laughs> yes. And that's what I mean. It drives. And it, yeah. felt, it felt this weird feeling of like, I don't know, like it, it, it was like a lot to juggle in your head. And then you hit a certain point and you're like, all I have to watch is this. I just have to worry. You could feel us going into the tail end. And so it's I don't know how to describe it. It's not that it lost steam, but like. It became kind of a different thing after yeah. that. Uh, and so for that, it was like, yeah, it, it didn't feel as quite as cohesive at the end. What did you think about uh, the order you watched them in? I'm trying to think if I would have preferred to doing it the other way. I don't think so, though. I feel like if I had gone Oppenheimer first and then Barbie, it would have been harder to me to transition from watching this heavy piece of cinema. And then when you watch Barbie, it's much lighter, much breezier. And I think I would have been like trying to make it into more of a piece of cinema that it, than it is. Not that it's not great, but you know, compared to like what Oppenheimer is, 
Whereas this was like, all right, I'm in the mood to like go to a movie theater and sit among people and have a good time and watch a story. And then the next night I went to Oppenheimer and I was like, that's this is much easier to digest because now I'm I've, I'm primed for this. You know, what about you? I think the opposite is the way to go. <laughs> I really enjoy oh, you. Mean, oh, wait, you mean the way that you did it? Yes. Oh, okay. So the way that you did it is the way to go. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, I think so. Let me be shocked by that. opinion. <laughs> Well, like, I don't know. I don't know how I would have felt seeing Barbie first. Hey, this is fun. It's got a great message, but it's also hysterically funny. Yeah. And then ending on, hey, um, we're all going to kill ourselves. Yeah, but I feel that way every day. So (laughs) I didn't walk out of there feeling different than I do any other day. So you you ended the day the way you started. Exactly. I was like taking your pills. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, whatever. That's fine. Yeah, of course, we're all going to kill ourselves (laughs) around the corner. 60% of the time, it works all the time. Yeah. All right. Should we get out of here? Yeah. Yes, we should. Do you have a Blue Beetle reading assignment for me? I was thinking about this. Okay. So, all right. I have two ideas. I'll throw this to you. Would you rather do a Blue Beetle origin story-esque comic knowing that you're probably going to get a Beatle origin story for a movie the following time or something just more a little like past the origin story and like in the in the thick of it. Are these both the same Blue Beetle? It's the same Blue Beetle. It's like volume one and volume two of Jaime Reyes. Oh, of Jaime Reyes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I think I'd rather do the first volume. So the the origin story. one. Yeah. Even though I'm probably going to see the exact same thing in movie form afterwards. Okay, cool. cool because cool. I don't want to do it out of order. Right. You know? I know what you're saying, but I didn't want to. I, I, yeah, yeah. 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 You know what? Thank I'm you for at. asking. But I, I think I don't want to do like even if like the, the two possibilities are that the movie is exactly the same as the first volume or the movie is totally different than the first volume. But either way. I think either way, I don't want to because if it's exactly the same, then fine. We can we can compare them. And if it's totally different, I don't want to read the second volume for first. And that's I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, OK, yeah. so then your reading assignment is going to be Blue Beetle Metamorphosis. Ooh, yeah. Uh, this is the first volume of the new 52 run, which is really, I think, kind of. Jaime Reyes's first go, not on his own, but he was first introduced after like a bit, one of those big crossover crises. Sure. And that was his first introduction yeah, in the yeah. comics. But this was his first run of like, not we're going to introduce him like he's his own thing and, and not, you know, uh, and give him his own his own th- uh, comic line and everything. So this is that first volume that in- really introduces him, which I would assume is going to be, like you said, a little bit of the basis of what the movie is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Uh, other than that, it's hot in here, man. Is it still raining over there? No, I think we walked, we talked our way through the rain. Wow. We talked it down. We talked it down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I had a joke. That's not worth saying anymore. All right. Anyway, it was a joke about how, uh, if, if you watch if you watch Barbie in India, weirdly enough, it's all just naked Margot Robbie. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. All the characters are completely naked. All the characters are completely naked. It's weird. It's so odd. All right. Anyway. Oh, hey, Andrew. Yeah. 
Hey, Andrew. Yeah. Hey, Andrew. Yeah. Where can they find us? Well, they can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, SoundCloud.com slash The Media Lunch Break. You can find us on Twitter, where our handle is at Media Lunch Break. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube.com slash The Media Lunch Break. We're on TikTok, where our handle is at The Media Lunch Break. We have merch on Teespring, which you can find at Twitter. Not like Twitter.com, not like the Twitter no, homepage. No, not Twitter. What's it called? X. Oh, fuck my life. <laughs> it's stupid. I refuse. Yeah, I know. I I agree. Let's all just... Can we all as a culture just agree not to call this X? Yes. What if we all just kept... If he's like, no, it's called X now. And we were like, nah, it's Twitter. Can you imagine spending billions of dollars to purchase a company yes. because you expect a return on your investment based on the numbers that the company is already doing and then changing everything about it. That's why he's an innovator. Andrew. Anyway, you can also find our merch on X if you, uh, that's our handle. I can't do it. It's on Twitter. Our handle is at Media Lunch Break. If you go there, the top tweet, there's a pinned tweet. It has our merch. Whatever you want to call it. Is it a tweet? What is it now? An X? An X? The top Z. Right? Should be like an, an alphabet letter. But all of us are asking a different Why? letter. <laughs> that felt like an episode of Sesame Street right there. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. You can also visit our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the media lunch break. A uh, little peek behind the curtain here. You listening at home are not going to know this. But shit hit the fan about five minutes ago. Yeah, it did. And if you have, if you're on the let's get intimate tier on Patreon, you're going to see all of that. And uh, it's not going to be particularly entertaining. <laughs> but um, man, I was uh, I nearly cried. <laughs> but yeah. You can also send us an email at the media at gmail.com. You can visit our website, which is www.themedialunchbreak.com. Give us a rating and reviewing on iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube. Special thank you to Julie. Thanks, Julie. For being so cool. Yeah, as Andrew said, you can leave that rating and a review, and then you can leave it right in app, and it really helps, and it helps people find us and everything. And uh, this, and as always, if you leave a five-star rating, you can put whatever you want in the review box. I really don't care. Uh, this week, if you leave a five-star rating, again, I really don't care what you put in there, and I don't have the effort to think of something witty to say. I have something. Go for it. Tell us if you think Barbie or Oppenheimer is like Anchorman. Fair enough. All right. Uh, (laughs) Next week is going to be the best damn day of the week. It's Tuesday Newsday. Oh, shit. It's the Tuesday Newsday. And then after that, we're doing... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And And some Blue Blue Beetle. Beetle metamorphosis. But until that happens, if you're like, listen, we don't need to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What you should be talking about is this thing over here. Send it over to us. If you have an idea for for an episode for us, send it over to us. If you're like, nah, don't talk about Blue Beetle. We're just going to see a movie. Talk anyway. about Barbenheimer again. Talk about Barbenheimer again. Barbenheimer now. <laughs> Barbenheimer forever. Send it over to us. If you have a reading assignment, you're like, no, I just read this other thing. I need to know what you guys think of it, uh, about this. Uh, I'm giving you a reading assignment. Send it to us. If you're a creator, you wrote a comic, you made a, a film or a pilot or something or anything, and you want us to put some people towards it, you want to put some eyes on it, ears on it, that sort of thing, and want us to point people to it, send it over. We will talk about it. Other than that, 
That's it. That's all I got. You didn't think I had something in my hand, did you? Yeah. I just wasn't expecting to hear it. Yeah. Oh, that was. Yeah, I like to add a little, like you know, what's that? What's that called? Uh, is it Foley? Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I know things, motherfucker. <laughs> I know some stuff. I know some shit up and around the block, bitch. Oppenheimer block, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I fucked all those dead guys' wives. Anyway, um, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it. There's no more show. There's nothing. That, look at that. Look how easy that was. Andrew, wasn't it that easy to make a thing? Look how easy it was to make a thing. Let me tell you, if you're not on Patreon, it was so easy. Was if you're so on Patreon, easy. please save me from it's myself. It's a little harder, but uh, it was so easy to make a thing. That's how easy it is to make a thing. If you're harder there, than Oppenheimer. If you're looking... Ooh, <laughs> That guy, man. Anyway, um, there it is. So if you want to make a thing, go go out and make a thing. All right, that's how easy it is. Go out and make a thing right now. All right? That's it. I don't have any more show in me. It's the hottest day of the year, Chris. It is the hottest fucking day of the year. Is it? So far. So yeah. far. Yeah. Wait, is it hotter than that day when they were like, it's the hottest day on the planet? Yes. I guess it's hotter here. It's hotter here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, that's all I care about. And I, probably <laughs> it's also hotter. Like, every day is hotter. Every day I wake up. <laughs> there we go. Right in before the end, we got our government required Andrew driver. Did you say Andrew driver? Did I say Dr- Adam driver? Uh, <laughs> You do the impression so often that I think his name is Andrew now. <laughs> I watched 65 recently. How is it? Fine. Rousing review. There we go. Three movies in one episode, everybody. Look at that. <laughs> and Secret Invasion. Wow. And a TV show. We really packed it in this episode, didn't we? We sure did. A lot like Oppenheimer. Hey! Oh, there we go. That's the end. That's We can't end it anywhere else after that. Okay. Wait. What? Did you turn it off yet? No. Okay. Do you think Barbenheimer 2 will be released on the same day? I would love this to be like a Christmas tradition. Every like two years, a Barbenheimer comes out. Be beautiful.